Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. In this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Anders Peterson, founder of Art Tactic, for a special episode of the podcast, a mailbag episode. It's always fun doing these. It's great having you participate and also learn what kinds of questions and topics are on your mind. So we solicited questions from you over social media over the past week, and we got some great ones coming in that touched on the current state of the art market, what happens to the art market during a recession, what will the aftermath look like for the NFT boom and bust, and several other topics. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for listening and for submitting your questions. Anders, thanks so much for joining us. How have you been? I'm good, Adam. Great to be back again. I can't remember when we were... When did we do this last time? Was it February? Yeah, I think so, or maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Regardless, we're really excited to do this again. It's really fun to see what listeners are thinking about and what questions are on their mind. There's a lot of interesting things going on in the art world and the art market right now, especially given the state of the macro or global economy. So yeah, I'm excited to answer some of these questions. Definitely. Let's see and let's see what we can uh, come up with. All right. So our first question takes us back a little bit a few years ago when the pandemic was really beginning. The question is, how well did the art market perform after the first few months of the pandemic and why did it do so well? So do you want to kick us off with this one? Maybe you have some data even that uh, measures how well the art market actually has done in the past few years since the beginning of the pandemic. And then we can jump into some of the reasons for why we've had such a strong market. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was interesting. Obviously, when the pandemic hit us in March uh, 2020, I, I, you know, I think obviously this, it wasn't a shock for, I guess, everyone. But um, for the art world, I think, as I think we sort of talked about before, but you know, are is a marketplace which um, or an industry really sort of so dependent on physical events and and physical whether it's auctions or biennials and art fairs. And I think that the initial shock of not being able to do any of these things obviously had a sort of detrimental impact. But I think what was in the first probably first three months up till about June when the auction houses in particular started to experiment with the new formats and hybrid auctions and online auctions. Um, which really, uh, I mean, um, it's remarkable how quickly that transition happened. I mean, I think in the end, this is something that's been lying there latently. It's not, it was more, it was not that the technology wasn't there. It was just more, I think, a uh, perception maybe within the art market that online is not, you know, it's not a viable channel. And I think when you were forced to use that as the only viable channel, then it it worked. And I I, I must say, Part of the thing that I think just led to the rise in or, or how well the actually art market kind of weathered this crisis was uh, down to the art market's sort of agility. You know, on one hand, we talk about the art market as being very traditional and you know, slow at moving things. But I think at the same time, um, it has this uh, ability to, to adjust, um, to, to change. And I, obviously, this was a, um, a, an unplanned event. But uh, again, now it was remarkable how, how quickly it happened. And I think... This um, these changes, which it comes to, you know, the, the digital innovation or transformation, I think that has, you know, had lo- lo- long lasting, uh, will have long lasting impact on the market. I think this has changed the structure of the market. I think it has 
uh, you know, brought in, and we can probably come back to some of these things later on, you know, new types of audiences, um, opportunities for a different type of art, new types of artists. Um, it really expanded the art market uh, from an audience point of view and sort of because it kind of opened up new new, new portals, new gateways for new people to engage. And so I think, I, and we will benefit from this going forward. I mean, one of the things we have seen over the last 10 years is that there's been a really kind of stagnant growth in the art market that's not really been in tune and, and in correlated, for example, with uh, how much wealth has been created in the same period. So, and part of that, I think, is because it's kind of just always tended to engage the same people, maybe people paying higher prices, but not necessarily more audiences. So in order to kind of create a market, I think, you know, there was a need for change. And that change, I think, happened um, and will continue to 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 um, to go forward. I think it, it's um, so I, I I must say, obviously, now we're in a slightly different situation. We can talk about that a bit later. But what, what, what's your um, so from you from your, what your point of view, what did you see sort of as, you know, being on the ground, maybe more than we are? A few things come to mind. One, just to echo what you said, I really feel like the art market, as you said, usually it lags other most other industries in terms of technological innovation. But I do think over the last several years, with the um, use of Instagram, with auction houses investing in their online platforms, you know, people became uh, more ready, uh, more prepared, more comfortable buying things without seeing them in person, you know, through JPEG. And so I think that's been years in the making and really pandemic ended up serving as a catalyst where all of a sudden people, this was their only option in many ways. And um, people were comfortable enough to do that. You know, I'm curious, you know, I like to think back, if, you know, if this was 10 years ago, I think we might be in a totally different situation. We would not be prepared. Um, and we would have had a lot less transactions occurring. But fortunately, buyers, collectors are ready to step up and um, also just logistically with um, art shipping and conservators and just technolo technology in general, but just all of these entities that have built up these businesses enabled uh, transactions to occur as well, um, you know, with people not necessarily being physically all in the same place. Um, and then I guess, you know, the second thing is just, you know, we're so... Um, focused on the art market, but I, during these times, I like to take a step back and just look at what's happening in the broader economy and other assets, especially alternative assets. And I think just, you know, just like art, you saw crypto, you saw real estate, you saw a lot of watches, you saw a lot of different assets, alternative assets doing really well during this time period. And I think part of that relates to you know, I don't know, central banks just injecting liquidity, lowering interest rates, kind of doing things that they thought they needed to do to um, make sure economies weren't suffering as much as they um, were with this pandemic. And I think that those actions created a lot of um, wealth for the very wealthy and a lot of liquidity. And collectors are mostly sitting at home, not really spending time vacationing and things like that. And just on their phones, on Instagram, looking at arts. And I think, you know, I had a lot of conversations with people during that time. They're just at home, you know, looking at art or, you know, potential artists to acquire. And it was just something that, you know, they could really do and stay busy doing that. And so I think even something like that, you know, really also fueled things. We obviously, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, that we are, you know, heading into potentially a period of uncertainty. I mean, there the economic situation around the world isn't great. Um, inflation is running, you know, close to double digits uh, in many parts of the world, and 
you know, geopolitical uncertainty, etc. Um, and I know a lot of people are questions, you know, well, how will this affect the, the, the art market? Um, and I, I think a little bit, I mean, going back to the pandemic and, you know, it was, it was a very different situation, but there is something, I think, in, intrinsic in the art world, um, which makes it as also from an asset class point of view, you know, um, behave differently from other asset classes. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, at least from part of the art market, there's a certain demographic that's involved in this that, you know, might be less affected by the economic environment that we're finding ourselves in, which often leads to that the art market at least can keep on going for longer than necessarily what the economic situation sort of um, presents itself as at the moment. But so, so I, I, I think um, just just regards to that, I mean, I think, again, there are interesting things when we look back to, let's say, 2009 and, and the financial crisis and the subsequent recession that most countries had after that, um, again, how well the art market you know, it, it felt the 2009 um, collapse, obviously, but was virtually back in business again, you know, 12 months after, 12 to 18 months after. And I think whether this is going to happen this year, I think we will, or, or the, the coming years, we're, we're still to be seen. But it is it is quite interesting to see, you know, first half of this year, 25% up uh, for Solbis, Christus and Philips um, in, you know, it's quite difficult situation. I mean, it's not like the... the um, the economic pressures has just come now during the summer. It's been there for some time, and obviously now we're coming maybe to, to tougher conditions in the autumn. But I still, I still believe that there are some there's an intrinsic strength in this market that uh, make it less potentially less um, sensitive to some of these more kind of economic factors we see out there. Whether that doesn't mean obviously that everything will be okay, but um, but I but but I think there is a good bit, bit of sort of kind of historic. Uh, precedents, uh, both in terms of COVID and how the art world, uh, you know, in a sense, adapted to that particular crisis, but also then 2009, and how quickly again the market recovered from that economic and actually kind of had a really good run from you know 210 to about 216. Um, so it, it, it will we'll see. I mean, it's still to be seen whether that economic, um, you know, that economic model still would work in the art world. But um, uh, what was your thoughts on that? Well, that yeah, because that's someone submitted a question. They said, "I have been only collecting for only a few years. What happens to the art market uh, during a uh, recession?" Which is actually a which is a really good question, because, especially because I think there are a lot of new collectors that have entered the art world in the last three or four years, and they've everything almost everything they bought has gone up in value. This is you know normal, and this is all they know. So. And, you know, I see some people looking back, starting to look back at auction catalogs now from 2010, 2011, and try, like, oh, who, who's this artist? Who's, who's this artist? I never heard of them, you know. So I think it's on, you know, especially a lot of um, younger, newer collectors, it's on their mind as they try to understand what exactly happens um, when there's a downturn. Of course, the level of the downturn, how severe it is, that will impact things. I, I think everyone, even, even the you know, who have been collecting for a few years, they remember when COVID started. I would say that's, you know, an extreme case, but at least the feelings I felt was that as the art, as the stock market was falling, is that a lot of particular younger artists, speculative artists, some mid-career artists even, you know, felt like, oh, wow, the I don't know, these were overvalued. They were, we were, 
like our oh we got our hand caught in the cookie jar oops like i can't believe we didn't see this i can't i can't believe we didn't see what we were living in here or these artists these young artists should they be really they shouldn't be really trading at these prices um you know what have they really if you look at their cvs what have they accomplished are they going to be important i mean these are the kind of questions and doubts that i think start to enter people's minds and that's where you can see people all of a sudden deciding not to buy something and then it that can have a domino effect and all of a sudden an artist maybe who's done really well at auction last year suddenly prices fall a lot maybe they get work start buying in which it feels like nowadays you know the the idea of you know works buying in by a hot artist seems you know incomprehensible um all of a sudden people are now examining the quality of each artwork more carefully all right is this a is this a good example of the artist's work is it just an okay example? People get pickier. All of a sudden, the markets now, you know, I remember also, yeah, in 2009, auctions, all of a sudden, you start you started to see really good results, really only for the really historical, important artists who are already in art history books. Um, Calder, Kusama, just some of the names I remember that is st- still doing well. I remember, I think it was in, yeah, 2009, there was a, in the midst of the, recession beginning there was an, a really important large kusama paint infinity net white painting from the 60s and i remember speaking to uh, a dealer and they said i don't care what's going on in the economy i know this is going to do well this is you know probably going to set an artist record it has to if it doesn't then i don't know what i'm doing i'm going to leave this industry because this is such an important painting and it did really well still so i think you know things will things could still sell for high prices I, but i do think there's a um, all of a sudden, a focus on quality, a focus, you know, more scrutinizing eye on artists. I do think we're in a, um, you know, someone else asked a question, submitted to us, how much speculation has entered the market for younger artists? I think we're seeing a very large amount of supply. You know, if you think about supply and demand, basic economics, we're seeing a large, a strong demand for art and a lot of supply in terms of younger artists. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, being an artist is really difficult job and uh it's not you know it's not unfortunately not every artist can have longevity and have strong markets for their entire careers so i just think you'll see a kind of recycling in a way of certain artists and that's yeah if you want to go look back at the auction catalogs from 2009 2010 2011 especially if you're a new collector you'll see some names trading you know for six figures that you probably haven't heard of or now they trade for Three or four thousand dollars. So unfortunately, some of that will happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's I. I kind of with my with collectors I speak to, I tell them it's important to collect across generations of artists. Um, You know, it's it's fun, exciting to collect some younger artists. I think it's important to have you know mid career, more established artists as well. I think you can build a nice collection that way that's curated with artists from different generations who maybe influence one another. And I also say, you know. So artists who have reached a certain level in their career in terms of, you know, think as an artist and how well they're respected by museum curators and the kind of museum collections they're in. I mean, these artists, regardless of if we're, the economy is doing poorly or doing well, you know, they're going to be around these artists um, and they're highly respected and you can feel pretty comfortable having, you know, a nice example, investing a lot in those artists in your in terms of having those artist works in your collection, because ultimately, you know, they're safer, kind of blue, more blue chip kind of artists. Um, you know, it's the younger ones, more speculative ones that I think people, you know, f- kind of feel like 
they're playing musical chairs a little bit now and wondering, you know, when is this going to end? I know this can't last for all of these artists. Um, so that was yeah, a lot, no. but those are some of my thoughts, uh, you know, yeah. as I think um, about these things. No, exactly. But I think you're right. I think, you know, in, in I, I, I guess in, when I spoke about sort of kind of the strength of the market, I think it's a kind of more, um, you know, um, in, in a sort of broader macro context. But I, are you absolutely right? I mean, obviously, the market is so finally segmented into hundreds, potentially thousands of subsegments. And, you know, one of the, what you mentioned with young artists, I think, you know, that's obviously a market that's seen, you know, a, a frenzy and speculation. And, and you're right. I think, you know, in times of uncertainty, people just becoming more discerning, more careful. Uh, and starting to think about you know historic value. I mean, you can see you know a little bit the uh, the recovery of the world market uh, recently. All these things are you know it was a soft period between you know, 2016, 2020, and then suddenly you know, these things comes back again. I think you know there there will I I think we'll see a sort of a gravitation maybe in this period where you know the big names um, and at the higher end of the market they probably you know they will continue to do well. And uh, but as you say. I think the young artists, obviously there is a lot of historic precedents that, um, you know, there's not room for hundreds of these artists to sort of enter necessarily the historic canon and become, you know, the the worlds of the future. Uh, but some will. Um, uh, but I think it, but so I think the speculation aspect is probably one of the, one of the aspects that sort of probably will, will calm down in 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 coming you know potentially coming months or or, or or years or depending on you know how long this this thing will last um which is not necessarily a bad thing i think it is you know the, the boom in itself people can say well you know this is this is not great for art but on one hand it it sheds spotlights on you know younger talents and creates interest also among uh, young collectors that not necessarily get in on the artists that now are currently doing incredibly well, but you know they, there's there's this sort of appetite to invest in young artists. And I think there is important, as you say, to 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 kind of collect across generation and um, and uh, you know the young artists need support. I mean they they that, that they're going to be the artists of the future. So, but I think the expectations. I think this is this is something many of the new collectors hasn't seen a downturn and don't not necessarily know how that will play out. And I think that's probably one of the segments uh, that will be affected, you know, in, 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 in months to come. Um, so I, 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 it's going to be very interesting. I think it's, um, it's, um, it's, it's not a given that it's going to be sort of, uh, you know, we're going to see, I don't think we'll see a collapse. We did a confidence survey, you know, uh, two weeks ago, which shows a, um, uh, I would say a shift, uh, a significant shift of the last six months into more of a pessimistic kind of outlook. Most of that is then, I would say, predominantly driven by um, the economic fear and the factor regarding that uncertainty. The, the second thing, I think there's a little bit more uh, uncertainty around the auction side, but I think there's still much stronger uh, people still felt like the primary market that that still was, um, you know, they have confidence in that market. So I think it's also a little bit, you know, auction market is also probably more the, you know, the type of artists that are more in that, you know, more in the sort of value speculative end. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to take their eyes off what's happening, you know, in the broader market as a whole. So when one, when one talks about the market is often also very easy to get it caught up. And maybe lose a little bit on the nuances, um, but there will always be opportunities, and there will, uh, and the market will shift to where value is. And I think that the question about value will become increasingly important going forward. And value meaning both cultural, historic, um, you know, artistic value. So, um, and that that is not never a bad thing. I agree with you completely. And also, I, in terms of a little bit of history between ourselves, I mean, I was. Uh, at the Sotheby's Institute in 2007 and 2008 when we first met. And yeah. 
we saw we saw the economy starting to slow down and the art market was lagging and one of the reasons why I really uh, enjoyed getting to know you and learning more about and really appreciating what Art Tactic does is because I remember reading one or two sentences, quotes from people at the auction houses, galleries saying, oh, the art market is fine. It's different than in the past. You know, it's more global. And so, you know, I always felt, oh, these are kind of self I mean, I thought maybe there's some truth to these things, but they're pretty self-serving quotes, I mean, which is understandable. People in the industry want the market to remain strong. But I remember at that time, you know, the stock market was really falling a lot. And I thought there's, they have to have some anxiety, some fears, but they weren't really wanting to share that. Uh, and that's why I really liked our tactic and all the data you provide and, you know, the confidence meters and the, just basically able to get a sense of the real sentiment of people. Um, and because that, you know, that's difficult to to do um, and to obtain in the art world in a, a more opaque place. So, and that was really one of the reasons why we launched the podcast to be able to talk to people for exactly. 10 to 15, 20 minutes to have these com- lengthier conversations instead of just reading one or two sentence quotes in an article. So I would say, yeah, for, you know, especially for newer collectors, you know, have conversations with other collectors, get a feel for w- how they're feeling. I think that those kind of things can be helpful. Yeah, if you don't subscribe to Art Tactic, uh, I think it's worth checking out. Just not to uh, self promote, but I do think you know getting that kind of data is pretty unique um, in the art world. I, I, I think it's just general. So I mean, I guess from when we when we met Adam back then, it's uh, I think now also just in general, not to not not only us, but that, you know, there's there is much more information, much more you know, a level of at least the opportunity to create some more transparency and understanding and educate yourself about the market. I think it is much, much easier to do that now than it was, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So I think it also, not only us, but many others out there, which is also creating a, you know, an infrastructure of uh, both educational tools and informational tools that is really helpful when you when you try to navigate, which is, you know, it's a complex marketplace. It's not, it's, it's sort of a mix of economics and emotion and sociology and you know so many different sort of sciences mixed into one which is often difficult to entangle um and the more you obviously the more you the more you read the more you listen the more you talk the you know the, the more informed you will become about you know um, what what to do next so um, yeah all right so the next question it relates to nfts about the kind of the boom and the bust of nfts and where do things stand now and what what's next for this market well, we started. I mean, uh, I don't. Know, I think last time we spoke about this on the mailbag as well. Um, you know, I think if we go back to, you know, earlier this year um, and last year when we decided to start to look at this market um, in uh, was it February? Well, actually, before that, December, twenty twenty, and then we produced our first uh, piece of research in uh, spring twenty twenty one, and. Um, and I was really trying to, I guess my initial curiosity was, was to try to figure out, you know, what impact is this going to have on the art world? I didn't come from a sort of a crypto perspective. I didn't, I didn't really try to um, necessarily understand it from that point of view, but it was more to see the, the, the potential that the technology, I guess, well, I, oh, and I still believe that that is the, the case. I think it's uh, NFTs as the kind of maybe as well, many people sort of associated with sort of profile pictures like board apes and, um, you know, uh, crypto punks, etc. That you know, that's one aspect of it. But underlying this, there is a technology that I think is actually, I think, it's going to have a real potential in the art world. Still, it's going to be now. Obviously, there's a 
sort of a crypto winter and the um, the uh, the wind has sort of kind of gone out of the sail uh, and you know speculative aspects of the market is disappearing or has disappeared um, there will be um, you know strong things that's going to be remaining that probably will be the kind of generation that will then carry the next cycle and I I, I think most people sort of I guess had a sort of uh, understanding that you know this can't continue forever and I think the, the more people start to question where this value is coming from uh, it's going to come a point where everyone's going to start to question value and then suddenly no one has an answer then you know these things tends to kind of uh, deflate quite quickly um but still i i feel now that there is sort of in the nft world um again with regards to the art world is that um i think it feels a little bit like the art world is now coming on board after everything else has kind of settled a bit it's uh, you know starting to see interesting exhibitions you start to see in, interesting art artists doing specific projects and seeing nfts or the or the technology potentially as a as a mechanism or a medium or a platform to do new creative interesting things and if you particularly if you're in the a digitally native artist i think nft still has enormous potential but not in the sort of same way as we've seen it's not all about you know uh floor price and and how you know how much money you can make out of it but as a, a medium to disseminate and to again for a collective point of view to provide ownership so I, I i feel we are in a sort of a period where everyone is probably you know counting how much there's you know how much is left of what existed and then hopefully we'll, we will build on the the stronger part of it and I do, I do i don't think you know we might call it something else in the future it might not be called nfts but i still think you know web3 and the way things are going i think that is almost unavoidable uh and the art world will have to follow so i think that the good thing that this thing caused and triggered, uh, even if a lot of people were negative to it, is is that I think it has engaged the art world to think about technology in a slightly different way in, in the broader terms. And I think that will, like with the online market that we saw during the pandemic, is actually um, uh, a good thing because now people are more in tune to hopefully, you know, at least uh, be part of it and, and take part in that evolution and maybe dictate what that should look like. So rather than being sitting on... You know, in the in the back of uh, of the car, and let someone else take you somewhere. You actually in the driving seat, and I think you know the art world can dictate. You know what what will what do they want this world to look like? And so I think we will see these sort of sub worlds of multiple fragmented um, uh, spaces where art world will carve out their way of using NFTs. Uh, you know, the fashion industry will use their bits, and hopefully both uh, different industries can learn from each other. But I. I do think that the innovation will and and will come back, and the way technology moves in general, I think it will never stop. It doesn't stop. It constantly innovates. Um, so it's good, uh, and I hope that the art world and not have sort of, I guess, just sort of sitting back and say, you know, I I knew this was going to happen, and and then step back and do nothing, but actually try to um, figure out how technology in general actually can help them as either as artists or creators or as uh, the more intermediaries or businesses around it. So. I feel we're we're in a we're in a new new phase um, that hopefully will be different and maybe a bit more a little bit like we talked about with the market itself less frenzied more discerning more focusing on the value and the value proposition of of what this technology can bring so that's that's my thought at the moment so we'll see but that's also then I think now in the next you know six to twelve months we will we will start to see also how that world will emerge. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think the technology is really interesting and I'm really curious to see to what extent it's embraced by the art world and the ways in which artists choose to use it or choose not to use it. But I do think there's a lot of potential there, especially for certain artists. I just think if they are creative and they want to embrace it, there's a lot of 
exciting things that will come that we can't even foresee right now. I guess when I think about NFTs, I really think about two worlds. One is these NFT artists who are, I feel like the NFT world and the art world. And to this point, it really seems like they haven't interacted that much, truthfully, outside of the auction houses choosing to sell NFTs. Fine art collectors really didn't, to a large extent, embrace these NFT artists. And um, maybe to a little bit, these kind of crypto NFT collectors started to collect traditional fine art, but I feel like there were two parallel worlds that yeah. um, were very close to each other, but didn't, you know, integrate with one another. And um, yeah, in terms of the NFT native artists that all of a sudden, a lot of them were, you know, artists that have only been making art for one or two years. Now they're trading for six, seven figures. I think those, yeah, it seems like those prices are coming down, but I don't know if an artist who's been making art for two years sells for thirty or forty thousand dollars. I think that's a pretty good thing, and maybe yeah. maybe it settles somewhere around there, and maybe they'll continue to be included, you know, in uh, auction house sales at that level, and maybe they'll have their own sales, um, and maybe this can continue to be a to continue to be something here. That's a, that's a market that has longevity, just maybe isn't necessarily. Uh, you know, I think when we talked about how speculation and not all you know the art world doesn't have room for all these young artists well the amount of nft artists is well surpasses that so i think it needs to be curtailed a bit and uh it will be and and then you'll end up with a certain number of you know pretty reputable artists i think that should trade for some amount and maybe some will even be more accepted by galleries and um, collectors and uh you know become part of the art world in a way and then i think in terms of the traditional fine artists, yeah, we're starting to see some of them. Um, the more, I think the more entrepreneurial ones, artists who do other kinds of ventures outside of their artwork. Nowadays, certain artists, you know, they really are entrepreneurs. They do clothing deals. They do um, figures. They do, um, you know, all sorts of different types of um, collaborations. I think some of those artists were seen create NFTs. Nina Chanel Abney just released NFTs. Damien Hurst has done them. Other artists have. So I'm curious to see uh, if artists in that mold continue to release NFTs and how that goes and who's collecting those. So even if, the you know, as the market softens that some good comes from this and the technology is leveraged and we see artists start to use, artists are very creative people. We see how they use it and uh, it some level it'll become a part of the future and like you said i think you can't go backwards with technology so i think it's going to be here just a matter of how and to what extent all right so this this leads to our last question that was submitted that we want to answer today that relates to another new innovative product fractional ownership uh the question is is fractional ownership uh the new collecting model of the future i'm gonna say i'll i'm gonna say no uh well (laughs) i i (laughs) Okay, I'll say this. Fra- you know, the fractional ownership, at least to this point, it's really, I think their target has really been um, people who um, are not really heavily in the art world. They're targeting people who, you know, to some extent, at least as a product of the economy, have a lot of liquidity, are seeing headlines and, you know, newspapers about, you know, the mega sales at auction and they don't have exposure to this asset class art and they want to get a little bit of exposure to it and get some returns. I think, for example, um, 
someone I know, uh, a dentist who doesn't collect any art at all, uh, you know, reached out and said, hey, I, Masterworks advertised to me. I'm thinking about investing $50,000. What do you think? You know, they didn't really, you know, know many of the artists uh, on the platform. They didn't really understand, you know, the mechanisms of how a place like that w- may acquire the work and how they may sell it. But just really it was about, to me, it reminded me a lot of, you know, when crypto was really taking off right after the rece- uh, the uh, pandemic began. And I remember having conversations with people, you know, said, I'm just going to throw $20,000 in. Let's see what happens kind of thing. Not really doing a lot of analysis or studying, just more of like a gamble in a way. And... Um, yeah, ultimately, you know, some of these companies have done an incredible job uh, raising a lot of money, getting inve- getting a lot of investors. You know, a place like Masterworks, they become a huge buyer in the art market, actually, on the secondary market, um, because they have all of this uh, capital now to, to spend. So I kind of, I think a part of it is a product of what we've seen in the economy. I think it's not, you know, it hasn't proven to really be something that, art collectors are really interested in because you don't live with the art. You don't get any value. I think when you live with art, when you collect art, you get certain value in terms of living with the art. You get value in terms of the relationships with artists, with galleries, you know, going to the art fairs, going to openings. There's a certain cultural value there that enriches your life. And you also, you know, you want to support the artists you collect and have dialogue and engagement. And that's not really what you know, fractional ownership, at least the way it's set up right now, is about. So I think, you know, it. I guess I said no, but I think it actually can continue to be, a, you know, a part of the art market. It's just the people doing it, investing in it for the most part, are not people who are, you know, totally engaged with the art market or, you know, when you think about collectors. Um, it's definitely an interesting area. Yeah, no, I, I well, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think necessarily that this is a a collecting model, I think, as you say, I think it's a, it's a different, it's targeting a different type of audience and for different purpose. I mean, I think this is a financially motivated, um, you know, um, vehicle to to enter the the art market. Um, uh, as you say, I mean, there's there's little emotional, um, tangible kind of in, engagement with the art itself. Um, but going back to the investment side, I think you know this is. Um, this is maybe not not so surprising, but but equally surprising that there is, uh, you know, a very large audience out there that seems to have an interest. And I think that this this shows a little bit when we talked about earlier regarding, you know, what happened during the pandemic and how little the art world has done to maybe you know increase their audience, etc. On many levels, I mean, online, uh, not everyone who bought online would maybe consider themselves collectors either. They maybe bought because they want to have something more in terms of decorative sense, etc. But but what it did, and, and I guess it's the same thing that fractional ownership um, and these new platforms that are now mushrooming uh, up around the place uh, are um, are addressing a sort of kind of a, um, I guess many many are using the kind of phrase democratization of art investment in the sense that unless you had millions uh, to be able to play in the investable aspect of the art market, you really need to be you know, have a significant amount of capital and money to spend in order to be able to do that. And, you know, to to, to enter the world market or the Basquiat market or the Richter market or, you know, Liechtenstein, whoever it is, you know, you're not going to do that with uh, $10,000. Um, well, you might get a print or you might get a, you know, high edition or something, but um, not necessarily in the sort of the higher end of the investable markets. So I think, you know, what, what, 
what these platforms are doing is it's almost kind of again giving an audience that not and i agree not necessarily collectors but people that has read about the art market had followed what's been said in everything from you know bloomberg to uh, wall street journal about you know rises in art and etc but it felt like you know there's no way for them to engage in this there's no way to enter into it so i think it has been probably over years, probably the next last two decades, a sort of an, a pent up of people that think, you know, I want to be part of this. How come I, I can't invest in art? So I think the platform has been successful in tapping into, and I guess it's a little bit of a kind of a pandemia uh, kind of period as well, was where, where some of these platforms really started to uh, gain traction. Um, was on the back of of the pandemic and and changes in the way you know people were thinking about where to invest money and diversifying away from traditional financial assets and so forth. Um, so I, I I think that sort of phenomenon is really is is, is interesting. Uh, but I, it has to as I said, um, the, if the question was about you know is this a new collecting model? I don't think it's a new collecting model. If it was anything, it would be a new investment model uh, in the art. If, and and it, it is I would say purely. An investment, uh, rather than necessarily something that um, is something that you can enjoy on a sort of more emotional level. Now, sa- saying that, I do think, you know, different people come into the art market with different through different uh, doors. Some are uh, born into families that collected, other are, um, you know, exposed through uh, their university degrees or just friends, etc. And I, and I guess over time, if if this market um, settles and and matures, then there is a chance that you know people maybe start initially, um, you know, engaging through buying a fraction in something, but through that starts to follow and, and maybe educate themselves and, and start to think, well, this is really quite interesting. Now I start to learn how the art market works, and from there I feel more confident in entering into the real market. And then maybe that's you know, and I'm not saying that everyone's gonna, not every single investor will end up in that uh, on that sort of trajectory. But I think there might be a again an opportunity just to create another another platform that ultimately engages people in in art i mean again this from this from from this perspective only from the investment side but that could lead to other kind of conversations and interesting things so i i i think it's um again a phenomenon i mean i think over the last two three four years we have seen so many new things happening and this is just one or an additional one which just shows that the art world in general and the art market and the art industry is in a sort of a it's in a flux in terms of there is there is more openness to uh, to change. There is more openness, as you mentioned, um, that uh, masterworks and 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 some of these platforms are you know not op- maybe from an audience point of view operating outside the art world, but at the same time have to interact with the art world because obviously that's where they're sourcing the work. So they sort of um, you know they are becoming part of this ecosystem um, that is now the art market, and 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 that's going to be interesting to see in the future. You know what role will these um, will these platforms play in the real market because there's a sort of a there's in a sense the fractional ownership market is almost kind of a derivative market of the real market and you know how how will these two markets interact with each other the values that we see in one how will they correspond with the real values will will demand that is being you know uh, expressed through the fractional ownership uh, platform have a have an impact on the demand we see in the in the real market, I mean, and this is kind of answers, I think, questions that we don't know answers to. But every time we see a new entry of something, it changes the dynamic of the art market. It changes the dynamic of how we interact with these new kind of new type of species that is now entering into this new ecosystem or to the traditional ecosystem. And that, that I think, is going to be an interesting thing to watch going forward. Is um, is, um, is 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 how this how this will pan out. I mean, there has been a, you know, this is not new. Uh, we started to look at fractional ownership back in 2008 2009 
there was um, attempt in Europe to set up a fractional ownership uh, platform. There was a number of them happening in China in around between 2009 and 2011. Um, you know, there's patchy history in terms of track record and how they kind of, you know, how they, um, how they, you know, I guess sustained themselves. Most didn't. Or, uh, but I think again, like many things, sometimes it has everything has its time, and it's maybe there is also a bit about where we are in, you know, things has evolved over the last ten years. We are in a different time now than we were in nine, you know, two thousand and nine, and there might be more receptive um, reception to kind of you know embrace these kind of models. But I, I think. Now, the jury is, I think, it's still out regarding, you know, what, what the future will be. But again, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon that has really emerged in, you know, really in the last two or three years um, on the back of uh, the pandemic and, and a lot of the other changes that we've been seeing. Well, Anders, thanks so much for coming on the podcast in this special mailbag episode and answering some questions. It was fun chatting with you about a variety of topics. Uh, before we let you go, tell me what... Can you t- share with us what are a few uh, exciting things we have coming up at Art Tactic? So basically, we are we're just now winding down for the summer. We had a hectic, um, hectic sort of June, July with you know with the uh, first half results, and we had confidence surveys, and we had a condo report, and we um, are now kind of preparing for the autumn. Um, so we are we're really now, I guess, it's looking into um, first of all trying to kind of publish some reports early on uh, on looking at female artists. I think again, just looking back a little bit at um, we have done sort of in certain reports of the years, um, you know, covering female in sort of as part of something bigger. But we want to really have a focus on that uh, coming into the autumn um, and, and looking at the sort of the the whole genre of. Uh, female artists all the way from you know established all the way to the to to young and 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 see how that has changed we know that obviously there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of um equality in particular in the market sense but i think you know things are being there's much more awareness now today than it was probably five six years ago and i think that's that's healthy so again there's opportunities i think now also to go for us it's, it's really to maybe go you know just generally a bit behind the sort of the top top figures and start to drill down a little bit behind it so i think next year next 12 months is really to start to look at the data from a little bit more from different perspective try to sort of uh, looking at certain very specific segments of the market i mean we did a a pop art kind of looking at the American versus British pop art. And you see, again, there's this massive discrepancy between these two markets, even if both artists in both countries, in a sense, happen to be, you know, virtually at the same time. So I think what we want to do a little bit in in the light of what you discussed in in when when I think when things are a little bit tougher, people start to look backwards. And that's a little bit what we want to do going forward, revisit artists that maybe has had a, you know, had, had a period in a certain point in time that maybe has lost a little bit of, uh, attention and traction and then maybe sort of start to see what has happened in recent years and a lot of the data is sometimes if it even if it doesn't surface to the top it's sort of there's there's activity and it's just that it's not necessarily big enough to kind of you know come to the surface and and get people's attention so we we're going to look at a little bit rather than focusing all the time on the sort of top artists and top this we'll go down and into the data and start to look at maybe you know artists that will emerge and hopefully will emerge as a result of people focusing more on value going forward Great. Well, it all sounds really exciting, and uh, everyone can check out those uh, reports you mentioned that we've done over the last few months, as well as the upcoming ones on arttactic.com. Anders, thanks so much again for joining us. Have a great rest of your summer, and we'll speak with you again soon. Excellent, Adam. You too. Take care.